Hello and welcome to the Strategic Alignment Podcast. This program is all about providing leaders and managers with meaningful insights on how to optimize business results by aligning their people strategy to their business strategy. Our goal is to support you as you rise to the challenges of complex decision making centered around attracting and retaining top talent. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Strategic Alignment Podcast. I am your host, Shauna K. Pottinger. This evening, I am sitting in for Jamie Pottinger. And we are very delighted to have you on our podcast this evening as we welcome uh, what we call or who we call the godfather of talent optimization. This episode is one episode that you cannot afford to miss. And that's why I'm going to pause here and just invite you to go ahead and hit that share button on your screen, share this podcast with your friends and your network. And we also ask that you go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel by searching for Pottingers and Associates Consulting. And then you just go ahead and hit that notification bell so that as soon as we go live or when we have new content, you will be the first to be in the know. This evening, we will be exploring the topic of how can you gain strategic alignment. And basically what we're going to be doing is taking a very comprehensive look at the role that talent optimization can play in achieving that. And so I'm happy that you are here this evening and I'm very excited to introduce my guest to you this evening, uh, Dr. Matt Pepsil, and I'm going to go ahead and invite Dr. Pepsil to come on out so that we can, um, so the people can see what you look like. Hey, Matt, how's it going? Going great, Shauna. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It is good to have you. You know, I counted a, a distinct pleasure. Two years ago, we came into co in contact with Predictive Index. And I can tell you that you are the face that was etched in our minds as we went through that consultation um, certification process. I was just captivated in terms of what you brought in terms of the level of knowledge and expertise that you bring um, in the realm of talent optimization. But, you know, I know a little bit about you, Doc. I just want my viewers to be able to learn some more. Can you share with our viewers, who is Matt Pepsil and what is it that you do at the Predictive Index? Sure. So thanks again for having me. And uh, at the Predictive Index, my job is to work with our partners like yourselves all, all over the world. We have talent optimization consultants who work with clients and represent Predictive Index science and software and tools locally uh, with those and, and establish trusted business relationships with those clients. So my job is to work with a small team at the Predictive Index to mm -hmm. create knowledge and, and training and uh, supportive consulting tools and share best practices with the world in that way. Yes, and, and you do do an excellent job of it, um, Matt. Just just a quick question, though. What was it that pulled you or made, made you feel like you needed to go into this area in terms of um, working with the predictive index within that capacity? Yeah, I had been working in Boston, uh, Massachusetts, in uh, software companies for uh, probably 15 years, maybe more. 
And what I realized was that I really loved professional development and leadership and training and learning all about, you know, productivity, all these kinds of great tips. And I was working in this software company and I just didn't really have as much passion for this high tech product. So I said, I wonder what would happen if I could really make this a part of my, my career and my life was really dedicating it to helping people have a better time at work and in their lives and, and be more successful in that way. So I started to uh, enroll in a PhD program in psychology and mm-hmm. I was able to study leadership and, and coaching and all these different great techniques and start to uh, make that, that sort of pivot. While I was at that software company though, we were introduced to the predictive index and how that behavioral assessment and its tool set could really help us identify top talent and things that we're gonna talk about today. And uh, it really left an impression on me that we can learn so much about people and start to utilize those insights to really have a better workplace. So I was very fortunate many years later to be able to take on with the predictive index and and, uh, work in a product role for there for uh, more than seven years before my current role today. Yes, yes, yes. Um, You know, that is sort of what pulled me into the area, the industry too, in terms of wanting to make a difference within the place of work. When you think about it, we spend approximately 80% of our time at work. Yeah. And I can appreciate what the predictive index says. It, they, they have a philosophy. Um, that philosophy is better work, better world. And so it really is changing the world, you know, one workplace at a time. That's really what predictive index does. And, that, you know, I've seen the effects of that as I work with clients. But for those of us who are not familiar with what talent optimization involves, what is talent optimization. We would like for you to give us, um, as succinct as possible, a Sesame Street style (laughs) breakdown of talent optimization. I'll give you the hard part first, then we'll make it a lot simpler, I promise. The hard part, when you talk about strategic alignment, that's really such a great term. And when we think about what two strategies do we need to align, you said it a little bit earlier, it's how do we take the talent strategy, so the people practices, and make sure those are directly aligned with our business strategy. We know what we want to accomplish in our business, but a lot of times we think about these two things as if they're separate. So really, when we think about talent optimization, it's really how do we make sure that we can optimize the business result by making sure that our people are fully aligned with that strategy? And that means that employees are having the highest levels of performance, but also experience, meaning the employee experience is good. So I said I'd make it simpler. Here's how it goes. It comes down to four key things. One is how do we design winning teams? The second, how do we hire top talent? Third, how do we inspire our existing employees to greatness? And finally, how do we diagnose people problems that are affecting the business so that we can get those fixed and really reach our full potential? So those are the four main activities and and we call them uh, aptitudes within talent optimization. And they are, when you see them, Shauna, as you know, when you see them work, it makes those workplaces hum. And you think about those adults, as you point out, who spend 80% of our lives at work. Work doesn't have to you know, be a drag. It doesn't have to be a terrible experience for people. We know so much about what makes organizations work and, and talent optimization gives us a handy framework to be able to understand how to get it right. Listen, I see it work every single day, you know, um, starting with the gift of awareness that we are given through the behavioral assessment and that forms the baseline of everything and the insights that we get from that can help to you know, i mean 
makes so much difference, so much difference in our overall operations as a business. And so I would love for you to share with um, those, those organizations that maybe thinking about it why is it important that we have an intentional strategy that's centered around people and human capital why is that so important yeah absolutely i think that when it comes down to it every business problem is a people problem they may <laughs> not look like it on the surface but it's absolutely true when you start peeling back the layers and some people say well there's these external and environmental effects True, mm -hmm. but the competitors are facing that too. And if they're succeeding and you're not, it's because they're putting their people to work in a better way than you are. So that that's one thing is that we just have to realize that if there's any problems in the business, we can trace them back to a people problem at their root. The intentionality that you talked about really means that we're not leaving our strategy to chance. And exactly. That's what happens if we don't take an intentional approach, then we're just basically you know, rolling the dice and hoping for the best. And that's not a good approach at all. Excellent. That's an excellent point that you made. You know, just uh, today, as I was doing an assessment on one of my clients' organization, one of the things that we do is that we go to the Google reviews just to see what people have to say about you and what they have to say about your competitors, too, because that's also important insight to, um, to benefit from. But most of the negative reviews, as you said, people problems are really business, pro business problems are really people problems most of the bad reviews actually came down to people saying things like um i don't think it's not a bad company but i think this particular individual that i interacted with was horrible you know so really and truly they're not necessarily bashing your organization but they're really talking about the service that they would have gotten or the quality of service that they would have received from one of your employees and if you as an organization have a very intentional strategy around that certainly it will help to um ensure that your end users are doing a lot better so thank you for that point that's an excellent point that you made now if there's a leader watching right now um who is thinking about implementing talent optimization as one of the strategies that they will use to help them to maximize business results um where would you suggest that they start if they're looking to um, implement this strategy within their organization? Yeah, there's a couple of different ways you can really start to look into talent optimization. One is that if you just go to talentoptimization.org, that's a website that contains all the information about the, the aptitudes that I shared a little bit earlier, the activities that support them, the things that we need to do to get things right inside our organizations. Uh, really important. There's also a certification program there if you really want to show that you've mastered this discipline. And that's a great clearinghouse of just all kinds of information on talent optimization. There's also the ability to talk to someone like yourself, Shauna, somebody who's a talent optimization consultant who does this every day. They have a specialty in working with all types of organizations, high stakes situations, senior teams, sales teams, teams in trouble, all of this. And it's really the fastest path to really say, what are you seeing and how can we look at this together? How do we start to understand a couple of key things? What type of leader am I? What mm -hmm. type of team am I leading? And how do these things compare to the strategy that we're pursuing? In a very short period of time, it's possible to really decipher a lot of the human element, which can be a little confusing, and to do it with data and tools that make it so much more uh, accessible and so much more mm -hmm. likely to, to really achieve success in terms of, of our execution. So 
just a quick question to clarify what you're saying. Would you say then that the uh, talent optimization could be a substitute for strategic planning or would that be something that would go hand in hand with your strategic planning? Yeah, it would be a sort of an outcropping afterwards. So what happens most times is that an executive team, for example, will go and do some strategic planning, maybe at an offsite, probably at a golf course, uh, who knows. But uh, they'll come back from the strategic planning and really have an idea of what they want to accomplish, for example, over the next, call it 12 to 18 months, wherever it might be. Mm -hmm. The challenge that I see is many times that those, those plans, they're not really framed in people terms. So they'll be a little bit more technical. They'll, they'll ignore the fact that there's people that are going to be asked to execute this plan. And when we don't have that strategic plan with uh, looked at through a people lens, it's hard to translate that to how we're going to be successful. You brought the example earlier of a Google review. So as an example, if we're going to expand the, uh, the restaurant chain, we'll take a simple example. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden I'm going to hire a general manager for the restaurant, for this new restaurant I'm opening, and I'm not clear about what's needed for success in the role, and I hire the wrong person, that person might take the wrong approach with the wait staff. The wait staff is having a frustrated work experience. Mm -hmm. Where's that gonna show up? That's gonna show up with clients, with customers. Yes. And yes. where's that experience for the negative experience for the customer gonna show up? right in the Google review. So here's a, a, a new restaurant. We want to be a huge success, but we put the wrong person in the senior job. It is creating this cascading negativity all the way down to hit you right in the bottom line, which is people see the bad reviews. I don't want to go to this restaurant. I'm going right. to go somewhere else. So it's right. like, you can really unwind these things if we don't start to say, what does the business call for? What does that mean in people terms? And how do we use the awareness you shared earlier to make sure we get it right? Excellent. That's a, that's an excellent point. And I appreciate the way that you broke that down in terms of connecting the importance of merging the two strategic planning with um, your talent optimization strategy so that you can clearly articulate um, your, your, your people strategy. Excellent and that, point. And that's the intentionality you brought up earlier, right? So when we start thinking about the intention to open a new restaurant, uh, you know, a place in, in this example, mm -hmm. we would normally say, well, let's just look at somebody who has a lot of experience working and opening restaurant chains. Well, hold on a second. That's doesn't mean that's going to be the right person right. for this opportunity. So now all of a sudden, you know, we start to take our intentionality and say, what's really needed here in terms of people terms so right. that we can make sure to fulfill our specific strategy. That's the part that if we skip the step, then it's going to show up in the bottom line, unfortunately. So, so let me let me ask you this question, Matt. Are there industries or different types of organizations that talent optimization would not be a good match for? Or, you know, is there any particular industry that it does better in than others? Well, I always like to say, people say, do, do I need to follow talent optimization in my organization? I say, well, only if you have employees, right? Because the reality <laughs> is that if you have employees and you don't get it right, it's going to show up in your bottom line. It doesn't matter how many, how large of an organization or what industry you're in. But having said that, I do think there are some things I see where you really particularly want to take a talent optimization approach. The first is industries or, or companies that are going through change. Yes. Change, change puts people on the defensive. Change makes people not at their best. Mm -hmm. And so if you're going through an industry that is experiencing change, could be technological innovation, threat of new entrants coming in, uh, something has changed in the resource pool. You know, the pandemic recently changed yes. everybody's, you know, unbelievable. 
Change is one example. The second is growth. When you start to see an organization that's growing very rapidly, maybe they're maturing, they're moving from startup to hyper growth phase, mm -hmm. then all of a sudden that brings new challenges. That's another great example where you really wanna take that talent optimization approach. And the last example I'll share with you is whenever there's something that's going wrong in the business, something that was working isn't working anymore. Right. Now we're starting to see turnover is escalating. We're starting to see a, a, a more difficulty trying to place and, and attract top talent. These are situations when we need to go back to basics and start looking at where have we skipped steps? Where could a talent optimization approach get us a better business outcome? Excellent. And I am a person who's always, you know, convinced whenever I can see actual evidence that what you're doing works. And so I would love for, and I know I have my personal stories that, that I could tell about individuals who've done this behavioral assessment. And as you watch them listen to the, um, the results and you do that readback and you see the transformation that takes place and the effect that has on them, just by giving them the gift of awareness um, I see that there's impact being made by talent optimization. But beyond that, I would love to hear from you because you've worked with different companies and so on. I'd love to hear from you if you've had any recent or any success stories that can jump out that listeners could hear and say, oh, wow, that's interesting. Um, can you share with our listening audience any stories that, you know, just is just stuck in your mind as far as, you know, this is what was actually a good way that talent optimization um, showed that it's very helpful. I'll give you both ends of a spectrum and I'll do it in terms of my own experience in my career. When I was first introduced to the predictive index, it was brought into our organization because we were having a really hard time hiring the right sales professionals. Mm -hmm. We had a sales team that had gone from being very entrepreneurial, starting to get into a little bit more of a hyperscale sort of a, a sales process. And we were having trouble hiring sales reps that were able to actually succeed in this new environment. And so we were really frustrated because we were trying everything we could with our hiring process and trying to attract the right candidates. But at the end of the day, we were still going by gut. So by taking a talent optimization approach, what we did is we broke down and said, what are the real requirements of the job? Not in terms of the Rolodex and not in terms of, of a, a tenure or selling a similar product, but behaviorally speaking. In that case, that was a really important predictor of job success. So by taking that approach and understanding the job requirements, now we could equip the hiring team to start to evaluate where is this person a great fit? Where might there be some gaps? And start to probe that to make a more holistic hiring decision. So when we did that, we were able to dramatically increase the percentage of the new hires that we brought in who could succeed in selling in this new way, and they were a better behavioral fit for the role. So that was one early example. Fast forward many years later, many years later, look at these gray whiskers, Sean, holy cow. <laughs> but fast forward many years later, and now all of a sudden, uh, if you go onto the, uh, um, the Predictive Index website, there was a company recently called Six Factor, and they had gone through this most uh, up-to-date experience that we've created around a workshop experience and went through and had the opportunity to talk about leadership styles mm -hmm. as well as team styles mm -hmm. and really found that the individuals were the right people on the team but by reconfiguring some job roles really got to what that ceo had called an exponential return on their investment of time and energy mm -hmm. and that's what you really love to hear and that's what's possible for most organizations when they say there's a better way 
even I would say a simpler way, which is to follow the talent optimization discipline and and the guidance that it has for how to align, you know, the people part of our business with the strategic strategic part. part. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Excellent. Now we're going to get into a little bit more of the the personal side of things in terms of you, Matt. You know, you said you did your PhD in psychology. And most of us as PI partners, we sit at your feet because you just have a very um, amazing way of bringing information across, um, you know, especially complex information. I'm, I'm actually just now completing the team certification, which is, which is excellent, by the way. And I'm not sure if you had anything to do with that. But I wanted to check with you to see, are there any significant lessons that you've learned over the course of your career that is would be helpful for um, aspiring leaders who are watching this podcast or, or, or listening to this podcast at this time? Yeah, I, I really appreciate the kind words. I really pride myself on trying to make things a little bit simpler because I'm a pretty simple guy. <laughs> I like to, uh, I, one of the things I'm, I'm happiest about is when I can take a really complex thing and a concept and try to simplify it down in a kind of a, a memorable way. Right. And uh, that, that's something I really enjoy doing. I would say that from an aspiring leadership perspective, I'll go back to my, my one of my earliest career experiences, uh, it was being a first time manager. Mm -hmm. And I had worked really hard to be a good individual contributor. And when I first started to become a manager, I thought, okay, I've got this, no problem. I really want to understand. And so I had, uh, at the time I had a really long commute so my my trunk of my car was just full of audiobooks. Anything yes. I could hands on, right? I'm just putting everything I could. And and Shauna, man, one day I went into my office and I had to fire a woman who she worked for me and I had made the decision to hire her earlier. Mm -hmm. And it was totally my fault. She was a poor wow. fit for the job and I had no idea about the people part. All those audiobooks in my trunk of my car were all about the technical aspects of business, mm. strategy, process, execution, operations, that stuff I had down cold. But the people part and understanding what make people tick, mm -hmm. I didn't have that part. So we sat in my office and then she cried and I cried and it was awful. Mm. It was awful. And, and so finally I was like, this sucks. So I said, you know, I'm, I'm done with the, the technical aspects. That part's fine. But I committed myself at that point to learn the people part of being a leader. Mm. And, and it, it, I really became, I like to say I became human on that day because wow. I was able to bring more of myself to work. I mm -hmm. have a military background. So I thought you come to work oh. and you're like this. No, you don't do that. You, you, you know, you, you take an active interest in people. Right. You, you appreciate differences. You celebrate differences. You seek mm -hmm. out perspectives that are different from yours and you allow yourself to be vulnerable and human at work. So that was one of my earliest experiences. I went from being a, a, a terrible business manager to <laughs> an authentic people leader, I like to say. So that was really important. Middle of my career, what I started to do is realize that you have to make a shift. You have yes. to shift from your own goals that are assigned to you, typically from the higher ups and operate within your sphere of, of influence and control and start to think about the business in a macro sense. OK, so now all of a sudden I make some decisions that might not even be in the best interest of my team and my own goal pursuits, right. but they're better for the business in a bigger, broader sense. And that gets noticed. 
So now senior leaders are like, you're making the business better, even though you're impinging your own success on paper. Wow. We recognize that. So that wow. took my leadership to the next level. So that's how I went from being a manager who thankfully had learned some tough lessons mm -hmm. to a director and a VP and, and all these kinds of things. So broadening the scope of my impact was, was big in the middle of my career. Now we'll go back to my gray whiskers. Now when I look <laughs> back, I realize that I have something to give, right? So I have mm -hmm. taken more of an active interest in developing and mentoring aspiring leaders, not even just on my team, Shauna, on all the teams. Yes. I yes. mentor people. I, I love doing that. If I see an opportunity where I think I can help someone, I'll tell them. I don't care who they report to or work mm -hmm. for. Mm -hmm. I coach and develop our vendors who have providers <laughs> who are working on, they don't even, they're not even employees of ours. And I'm like, hey, you know what? If you don't mind, you know, in that last meeting, I saw an opportunity where you could do something just a little bit better. Would you like to hear it? You know, mm. everybody could benefit from that type of feedback. Excellent. And they Excellent. told me, I wish I got more of that where I work. Can I come work for you? <laughs> and you're like, no, you can't. But I'm glad that you're a little bit better than when I found you. So that, I don't know. That's, that's an approach that's worked for me. So as I look over the time horizons of my career, those are some of the things that I learned. Two things from what you just said, you know, um, one of the points you made and that tough conversation when you're firing someone, how does talent optimization help with that? I mean, there are ways, there are times when after you've implemented talent optimization, you recognize that, oh my goodness, this is not going to work. But does talent optimization help to improve and make that conversation a lot easier it does it does in my experience it does at first it makes it less likely to happen because you are less likely to put the wrong person who's not naturally suited to a job into a role mm -hmm. or to to expect that but it does still happen it's going to happen uh, to your point shauna but i think that what it also does is it helps you understand the natural strengths of that person mm -hmm. and in organizations of any size there are a lot of times there's opportunities to redefine a role Mm -hmm. Maybe there's some aspect of the role that they weren't as strong for as naturally suited. Can we carve off part of that and give it to someone else? Somebody we, else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, turn up the volume on something where they do have a natural strength. Or is there some internal portability? You know, is there some other part of the business where a functional background is not as important as a behavioral fit? And say, you know what, we're going to pick you up out of this. And, and at my company where I work for now at the Predictive Index, we do this all the time, where you find high potential people and either because they want to or because we need to make a change and say, hey, you want to come from this department over to this one and learn right. and we'll, we'll pay for you to come up to speed on the functional parts. That's easy. But mm -hmm. behaviorally, you're a fit. And that's hard to find, especially when they're a great cultural fit. So I, I feel like talent optimization, even if we find somebody who's not perfectly in a role, what we learn about them and the strengths they have help us find the right opportunity in the organization for them, whether, you know, you, lots of different ways you can do that. You know, you mentioned earlier that one of the things that you had to do in terms of, and that this skyrocketed your career, is thinking big picture. But there's some of us who are not necessarily naturally driven to do that. Let, let's talk about stretching for a little bit. How does that happen? How does, how does one who's not, a person who's not naturally driven behaviorally to, to think a certain way, and um, to make decisions in a certain way, how can they stretch from that place to 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 that other place where they need to be as far as um, maybe the role is calling for you to be a little bit more of a big picture thinker, 
tell us some more. Tell us more about stretching. Sure. Well, you brought up in the very beginning of our of our conversation today. You talked about awareness. And that is where it all begins. Mm-hmm. If there's not awareness, I can't coach awareness. You know, if, if the awareness isn't there, that's where I have to begin. So, what are we talking about? Being aware of, aware of who you are, mm-hmm. where you are, your natural strengths, awareness of what's needed to get to the next level, mm-hmm. awareness of what's holding you back. Like all right. these, we have to maximize awareness. Once we know that there's awareness of saying, let's say that I'm very used to operating with a, a, a time horizon, a time span, for example, of a month out. And in the next role to become a director, I need to take that to a quarter out or two quarters, half a year yes. out. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, geez, I've never really thought about it. I suppose I could try. Well, how am I going to stretch, to use your term? Then it's going to take a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. It's going to take a lot of focus. It's going to take a lot of effort and it's going to take coaching and feedback and development from somebody who's already at that level or even higher. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and so like, so long as the motivation is there and the desire to improve and grow and stretch is there, then people can grow. You know, we don't have fixed people. They're not forever, you know, uh, but those things are required. You know, when you do have to stretch some aspect of your behavior, you know, I, I always say we can never, pigeonhole people or, or right. pretend that they can't be uh, something other than what they are, but we also can't set people up to fail. So it's finding that sweet spot of stretch, not break, you know, and then working with the individual to really draw that out and help them succeed in making that stretch. Excellent. Excellent. You you touched all the points, um, Matt. We are coming towards the end of the episode. And usually this is one question that we ask, especially of those brilliant minds among us, uh, about books that you're reading. So if you would just share with our viewing audience as well as myself, <laughs> what are you currently reading and um, why should we read it? Yeah, there's a book that I'm reading right now and uh, I'm almost done with it. I'm thinking about going back and rereading it actually. It's called Atomic Habits by James Clear. And it's all about productivity tips and how to change your behavior, how to achieve goals. And the, I'll give you one spoiler if you're interested in checking out the book. He's written about it on his blog, so I'm not really giving anything away. Okay. But I have been for as long as I can remember a goals guy. I love goals. Like I've never met a goal goals. I didn't like. You know, <laughs> PhD was a big goal. That's great. I'm an Ironman triathlon finisher. That was a big goal. Wow, Being a Marine was a goal. Lots of goals. Goals, goals, goals. Small goals, big ones, don't care. And James Clear, when he wrote this book, he knocked me on my butt when he said basically – the goals are great as a starting point, but they don't really cement in your victory. And he gave the example of two sports teams that have the same goal, which is to have more points than the other at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. But there's only going to be one winner. And I was like, <laughs> wait a minute, hold on now. And what he did is he reframed it to say, begin with the, the center part, which is your identity. When you wow. start to see yourself differently and say something like, I want to be the type of person who works out five times a week. If you start to internalize that and see your identity that way, now you can develop the systems, right? The processes, the methods, the habits before you develop the behaviors, actually going through, following through and working out every day so that you can achieve that goal. So it's not that goals are bad. It's just you got to start from the inside out and start with identity. So that was one of many, many tips that he had in this book. But I've really been impressed by how accessible and how much of a mind reset it was for me. So Atomic Habits by James Clear, that would be my recommendation. 
thank you so much. I'm going to check that out. And I appreciate it. It's almost like you are envisioning the person that you want to be. And you see that person and you are you like that person. And so you are just walking towards <laughs> that person. Yeah. I love it. I'll definitely check it out. Thank you for sharing. Now, Matt, if any of our viewers are trying to get in contact with you, how can they reach you? Where's the best place to, to make contact with you? Shawna, you probably try to follow me on TikTok, but I hate to break your heart. I'm not there. I'm not on TikTok, but I am on LinkedIn. LinkedIn's the place to follow me. So uh, absolutely check me out there. I try to be very active there. I share leadership tips every day. I'm very active. Mm, I follow you. Morning call and optimization is, is just uh, something I really love to see others do. There's a big community out there talking about talent optimization tips. Uh, that's the best place to reach me where I'm the most active. So. Listen, we're at the end of our episode and I have gathered some meaningful insights from this conversation. I want to thank you so much, Matt, for gracing the Strategic Alignment podcast with your amazing presence. And we look forward to having you on another conversation. You want to share with our viewers that you have your podcast that's coming up. So if anybody wants to look out for that when it's ready, they could they could do that. Yeah, that would be great. It's called Lead the People. It's not out just yet, but it will be out very soon. And Shauna, again, I can't thank you enough for having me. I've really enjoyed our conversation today. I love it. I love it. Excellent. Excellent. It's good to have you, Matt. Take care. Um, ladies and gentlemen, we just want to remind you that we do have uh, a, a few exciting things to share with you. First of all, we have a new promotional offer that we are putting out there to our new and existing clients for those of you who are potential and prospective clients we're inviting you to go to our website to complete our free behavioral assessment and one of our representatives will be in contact with you to schedule a free one-on-one -on -one readback session we also have a free talent strategy session that we're offering to teams and if you are interested in learning more about yourself in learning more about your team and learning more about the work that should be done. We invite you to make contact with Pottingers and Associates Consulting by visiting our website right here at the bottom of our screen. Thank you so much for joining us again for another episode of the Strategic Alignment Podcast. We hope to see you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Strategic Alignment Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to our podcast by visiting our website at www.pottingerandassociatesconsulting.com.